0: Well, I invite you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to 1 Peter, chapter 5. 1 Peter, chapter 5. And returning to our expositional study of 1 Peter... And in the continuation of our series, I've entitled Shepherds and Sheep, I want to preach a third and final message on the sheep's responsibility to their shepherds. And having examined from 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 through 4 what God expects of spiritual shepherds with respect to their character, responsibility, and their relation to Christ's sheep, I want us to carefully recognize several vital implications of the text as it relates to the assumed expectations Christ's sheep ought to have toward the flock and toward God's appointed shepherds. Thus far, we have recognized from the first four verses of 1 Peter chapter 5 that the pastor's primary and preeminent preeminent responsibility Among the church is to feed the flock of God. Exhorting the elders as an elder, preaching to preachers as a preacher, Peter says that it is imperative that pastors give their time, energy, and attention to feeding the flock of God the Word of God. And this is the God-ordained method of pastoral ministry. God has ordained that spiritual shepherds give themselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God has ordained that God called elders give themselves to know the truths of God's word and to preach the truths of God's word so that God's sheep might know what is the mind of the senior shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is to be the singular aspiration of all pastoral ministry. The aim and aspiration of pastoral ministry is to encourage God's people to know the mind of the good shepherd so that they might grow closer to him. And anything that distracts from such an aim is to be rejected at once. So if Peter is laying down one primary principle that is known by both shepherds and sheep, it is the reality that to feed is to lead and to lead is to feed. The pastor is to be a man who knows God's word, preaches God's word, and encourages the sheep to live their lives in submission to God's word because this is God's will. And you'll notice in Peter's exhortation that Peter emphasizes who pastors are responsible to lead and feed Notice, they are not responsible to lead and feed all of God's sheep universally, but those who have committed themselves under their pastoral care. Do you see that? The elders of a church are only responsible to lead and feed those who are among them. Peter says to the elders, Feed the flock of God which is... Among you, which means that pastors are called the shepherd in the context of a local, visible, and united church. Pastors are to lead and feed those that belong to a recognizable flock filled with sheep. And this was the sum and substance of my first sermon. What is it that pastors are to do? They are to feed the flock of God that is among them. And then continuing on in the text, in my second sermon, we considered from verses 2 and 3, three behaviors that ought to characterize the pastor's life and ministry. Peter says in verses 2 and 3 that pastors are to shepherd God's sheep carefully and cheerfully And not out of compulsion. Not because they have to, but because they get to. Because they've been called to. And likewise, pastors are to shepherd God's people contently, not covetously. They are not to do ministry for filthy lucre's sake. They are not to shepherd the flock of God to become rich. They are to be men of contentment in their shepherding roles. And then we see Peter noting the fact that pastors are to shepherd God's sheep as godly examples to the flock, not grueling dictators of the flock. Peter says it should never be so that an elder strives to become a lord over God's heritage but rather an example to the flock. So fusing these two lessons together, we find the biblical answers regarding what a pastor is called to do and how a pastor ought to do that which he has been called to do. The pastor is to be a Christ-like example to the flock. He is not merely to expound the truths of God with his lips. He is to exhibit the truths of God with his life. So it's not just a ministry behind the pulpit. It's a ministry behind the pulpit and outside the pulpit. So now having examined the shepherd's responsibility toward the sheep from the same text, I want us to recognize four practical truths that are assumed to be true of Christ's sheep. Within these exhortations given to pastors, I see four glaring expectations as it relates to all believers. And the first assumed truth that is interwoven within this exhortation to the elders is the truth that Christ's sheep will belong to a visible local flock. If you're taking notes, this is point number one. 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 4 assumes that Christ's sheep belongs to a body of believers otherwise known as a church. Now reason it out for me in a moment. If the pastors are expected to feed the flock of God that is among them, it is safe to assume then that there are known Perceivable sheep that are to gather together as one. If shepherds are to be examples to the flock, we can logically infer that there are recognizable sheep that can visibly see and audibly hear such shepherds. Do you follow? Do you see the logical supposition of the text? The shepherds are expected to lead and feed a people who belong to a particular flock. And the Bible clearly defines such a flock, such flocks, plural, as called out assemblies, also known as local churches. And this is the singular focus of the New Testament. From Matthew to Revelation, we read of God establishing, adding to, multiplying, planting, and working through local churches to accomplish His purposes. In the Gospels, we find Jesus forming His first church. In Acts, Jesus adds to the first church and commissions that church to send forth laborers into the world to do what? To plant churches. As the apostles obeyed the commission of Christ, churches were planted in Galatia, in Philippi, in Thessalonica, in Corinth, in Ephesus, in Rome, and so forth, throughout the entirety of the world. So New Testament Christianity is indisputably focused upon and centered around recognized flocks that are being led and fed by shepherds. And to deny this truth is not only to not deny the simple truth of Scripture, it is to deny a vital means of sanctification ordained by Jesus Himself. To believe that God's people can honor God by living their lives detached from a particular localized flock is nothing short of believing a fairy tale. The New Testament Scripture Habitually assumes that Christ's sheep will be connected with, committed to, and will have a passionate affection for Christ's church. You see, this is not some extreme teaching fashioned by the opinions of men, this is the simple truths of the Bible. This is supernaturally inspired and preserved by God Himself. If 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 teaches us anything, it teaches us first that God's people ought to belong to a particular flock. And then looking to our second point, I want you to notice that our text this morning also assumes that Christ's sheep recognize their need to be led and fed by spiritual shepherds. The text assumes that Christ's sheep recognize their need to be led and fed by spiritual shepherds. Reason it out again with me. If pastors are called to lead and feed God's sheep, as the text tells us here, then it equally assumes that God's sheep will humbly and joyfully submit themselves to the leadership of a flock. Do you see that? And the theme of submission to leadership is a repeated theme throughout the entirety of this epistle. Let me remind you, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter speaks of the need for believers to submit to governing authorities of the world. To kings and to all who are in authority. It's the believer's responsibility so much as they can to submit themselves to such authorities. And then, likewise, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter speaks of the need for Christian servants to be in subjection to their masters. Turning the chapter, 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter speaks of the importance for Christian wives to be in submission to their own husbands. And then now in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter speaks of the all-important need for Christ's sheep to come under spiritual leadership that is within the church. Now Peter's covered submission in every area of life. Submission in the world, submission in the workplace, so to speak, submission in the home, and now submission in the church. And I know our world detests the word and the thought of submission, but here it is clear as day in our Bibles. Listen, I know our flesh kicks against submitting to authority, but that doesn't change the fact that God has purposely appointed our submission to others for our good. 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 3, assumes that Christ's sheep recognize their need to be led and fed by spiritual pastors, and they willingly come under such leadership. Unless you think that this is some isolated text that is being wrongly applied by the pastor because he's on some kind of power trip this morning, I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Let's interpret Scripture with Scripture. Let's let Scripture shed light on Scripture. Anybody can use a singular text to preach what they want to preach. But let's let God's voice be heard loud and clear. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. The Bible says, Remember them which have the rule over you, Who have spoken unto you the word of God, speaking of spiritual shepherds, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now notice two things from this text that are parallel truths with 1 Peter chapter 5. Notice first the pastor's primary responsibility. What is the pastor called to do? The text tells us he is called to speak the word of God. And he is called to speak the word of God as he sets an example for you to follow. Not being lords over God's heritage, but as examples. To be like Paul saying to the sheep, follow me as I follow the Lord. Peter's covered that truth. And then notice second, the Christian's responsibility to come under the leadership Of those ministering the word. The text says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who speak to you the word of God. Now look down to verse 17 in the same chapter, Hebrews 13, verse 17. The Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. As they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So, shepherds are to shepherd, they are to take the oversight thereof, they are to lead and feed, and sheep are called of God to follow and swallow what they feed. Now, by way of clarification... Let me make sure that we all understand that the expectation to obey church leadership does not mean that you blindly conform to everything a shepherd says without question. The text is not implying that you overlook or accept abusive behavior or unbiblical teaching that often occurs when a pastor or pastors strive to be lords over God's heritage. God is not teaching that the pastor somehow owns you and you are never to question his motives, behaviors, decisions, or teaching. God is not teaching that the pastor is called to micromanage your life. The implication of the text is that as he leads you and feeds you by the truths of God's word, that you joyfully submit to the guidance that comes from the word. The pastor has no authority in and upon himself. The authority lies in the word. So the idea is that you will allow God's shepherds to counsel you. You will allow them to speak truth into your life. And the implication is that you will be humble enough to listen to him as he speaks for God. It implies that you will be approachable and teachable, wanting to be shepherded, rather than crossing your arms in a stubborn spirit saying, I don't need a shepherd I mean, I've been alive twice as long as he's been alive and three times as long as he's been a Christian. What can this young kid teach me? Listen, God's word assumes that God's people submit themselves under the leadership of spiritual shepherds. And again, let me make sure that you understand this is not my opinion. I'm not teaching on this truth because I'm somehow trying to manipulate you to follow me. I'm teaching on the truth because God commands me to teach you what God's word says. And here we are in the text. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 12 and 13. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them that labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. We're talking about the sheep's responsibility to their shepherds. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3, assumes first that Christ's sheep belong to a flock. And then 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3, assumes second that Christ's sheep recognize their need to be led and fed by spiritual shepherds. And then, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3, assumes third, that Christ's sheep want to be fed. Reason it out. Don't check your brains at the door. Think about it. If pastors are called of God to feed the flock, we can safely assume that the flock wants to be Fed. It assumes that God's sheep are hungry for truth. The Bible's so simple, isn't it? If shepherds are commanded to feed the flock, then we can safely infer that the sheep are commanded to eat the food that shepherds cook up and serve to the flock. And listen, this is what takes place every time the church gathers. What is the church? Paul tells us the church is the pillar and the ground of truth. What is the responsibility of the pastor or pastors? Pastors are called to give themselves to know God's word so that they might preach God's word, so that they might feed the flock, and God's flock is to feast on that which is being fed. Why? So God's people might grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. This is the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is not entertainment. The purpose of the church is edification. Paul tells us this, Ephesians 4. God gives pastors and teachers to the church for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God gives shepherds to the church so that the church might be nurtured in the faith. So why does the pastor stand behind a pulpit and teach over and over and over again? He does so to feed your soul. He does so because God has ordained through the foolishness of preaching to save the lost and to sanctify the saved. So in our examination of the pastor's responsibility to the flock, in 1 Peter 5, 1-3, through 3, we find that there's an assumption that Christ's sheep are hungry and want to be fed. And then finally, number four, 1 Peter 5, 1-3 through 3, assumes that Christ's sheep will pray for, encourage, and support those who are faithfully shepherding and feeding your soul. 1 Peter 5, Hebrews 13, 7 and 17. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13 assumes that there will be a sincere appreciation for those who give themselves to prayer in the ministry of the Word. And listen... Unlike occupational shepherding in our world today, where it's only the shepherd providing for the needs of the sheep, biblical shepherding involves the mutual care for one another. As the shepherds are leading and feeding the sheep, the sheep are doing what they can to make sure the shepherd has the needed abilities and resources to adequately feed the sheep. Whereas, occupational shepherding of sheep in this world, the shepherds only is the one giving themselves to the sheep, God makes it clear that among the church, spiritual shepherds and spiritual sheep are to do what they can to sacrifice one for the other. The pastor is called to care for your soul while you care for his soul. The pastor is to give himself to feed you spiritually while you do what you can to make sure that his physical needs are taken care of so that he can feed your soul spiritually. As he encourages your heart in the Lord, you are to uplift his name in prayer. The text assumes that the people will come under the care of a pastor and appreciate that which he's seeking to feed to the flock. 1 Peter 5, 1-3 through three assumes that Christ's sheep will pray for, encourage, and support those who are faithfully shepherding you and feeding your soul. Now, by way of application, let me take these truths that have been extracted from the text and ask you four significant questions. So we've seen the truths implied within the text. Now I want to take these truths and encourage you to be doers of God's Word and not hearers only. Take these truths and say, how can I put this into practice? Ask yourself the questions. Question number one, do you belong to a flock? Do you belong to a flock? Does the local flock know you belong to it? I'm asking this question purposely to demolish this new fad of internet church affiliation in which people say, well, I belong to such and such church because I watch their services online every Sunday. Such a concept cannot be supported by Scripture. You might have your favorite TV preacher. You might have your favorite internet church. But that is not your pastor and church. If you've never met them... You don't know them, and they don't know you. That's not your church. And yet so many people say, such and such minister is my minister. Such and such church is my church. But they're never there. That's not the biblical definition of a church. A biblical definition of a church is one that is localized, one that is known, one that gathers together. We do believe in the bride of Christ, don't get me wrong, we do believe that there is one flock worldwide, but we do also believe that that flock is divided within individual flocks that meet and are known and recognized. So do you belong to a local flock, a recognizable flock? And then under this first question, let me also ask, are you committed to a flock? Are you faithful to attend the times of spiritual feasting? Or do you just casually come and go when you feel like it or you have nothing else better to do? Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Oh, there's a lot of talk. It might be the end. Jesus' return is near. Listen to Hebrews ten twenty three in light of that. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he that is, he is faithful, that promise, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more. As you see the day approaching. And yet so many professing Christians want to go, so much the less. Why? Wouldn't it be a blessing if we were caught in the air together while we were worshiping the risen lamb? Rather than sitting at home eating Cheeto puffs watching our favorite internet preacher. How can you exhort one another if you're just watching online? Will I do it on Facebook? Comment. Come on. Christ is coming back. We want to be found faithful Amen. and together and united and feasting on the riches of His grace. Do you belong to a local flock? That's question number one. Question number two, are you willing to be led by the shepherds of the flock? And in this, I'm asking, are you approachable? Are you humble? Are you teachable? Are you willing to be corrected by those teaching God's Word? Or on the contrary, are you resistant? Are you stubborn? Are you proud? Are you always wanting to argue and debate with the ministers? Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account to the senior shepherd, that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. Listen, when the pastor or pastors stand before the Lord, the senior shepherd, and gives an account of how he has shepherded you individually, how will the shepherds respond? Will they respond with joy or with grief? Some of you need to really consider this. God forbid that you should be among those who bring God's messengers grief because you come to the services, but your heart is like this. You're just here to check off a box. You're not really hungry. The pastor can tell who he can lead and feed and who he cannot. So I'm asking, are you willing to be led by the shepherds of the flock? Question number three, are you willing to be fed by the shepherds of the flock? Are you among those who enter into the church doors desiring to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ? Or are you among those who come in to fulfill just a Sunday tradition? Are you among those who hunger and thirst after righteousness? Or are you among those who sit in the pew hearing what is being said while having no desire to put it into practice? Are there such people in the church? I'll let you answer that question. My question is, are you willing to be fed? How hungry are you? And if you said, yes, I am hungry. I am willing to be fed. Can I encourage you to be present during the times in which the pastor seeks to feed the flock? Some people say they're hungry, but they rarely come. Don't tell me you're hungry, but you don't come. Oh listen the pastor is pouring his heart into every sermon hours upon hours praying and thinking and preparing why to help you know god he's not preaching because he's bored he's not got nothing better to do he's preaching for you he's cooking in his study his spiritual kitchen monday through saturday to feed your soul on sundays So why not commit to come to the mealtimes? And I'm not talking about the physical mealtimes. People will come out of the woodwork for that. Uh Uh-oh, I'm preaching now. Can't come Sunday night, 6 o'clock. It's too late, you understand. But I can come at 7 o'clock if we have a Christmas dinner. And I'll stay and help till 9.30. I'll just duck behind here. Go ahead. Throw the tomatoes. I'm just being real. On Sundays here at Calvary, we have an appetizer, we have a main course, and we have dessert. Sunday school appetizer, Sunday morning, main course, Sunday night dessert, Wednesday night, whatever you want it to be. Another course. Come and feast on the riches of God's Word, come and be fed. Now, if I'm up here ranting about politics and nonsense, cultural things that have nothing to do with God's Word, don't come. Just stay home. It's not profitable. But if I'm seeking to deliver God's truth to your soul, why don't you come? I'm not saying this for me. I'm saying this for the benefit of your soul, for the benefit of your family. I'm saying this as one who has profited from pastoral shepherds so much just receiving everything they have to give me and seeing god conform me to the image of christ question number 4 are you seeking to be an encouragement and support to those shepherding you in what ways are you seeking to be an encouragement and support Do you pray for those who minister God's word to you? Do you express your gratitude to those feeding your soul? Are you making sure his physical needs are met so that he can give himself to feeding the flock of God? This is not some phony baloney prosperity gospel plea, this is biblical reality. I'm not preaching this because I have some twisted desire to manipulate you to lavish me with gifts. I'm preaching it because it's the Bible, and I'm commanded to teach what the Bible says. The Bible says that the elders that rule be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the Scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. He that watereth shall be watered also." As you take care of the shepherds caring for your soul, your soul will be encouraged and nurtured. It's the iron sharpening iron. It's the give and it shall be given to you principle. And you may not even belong to our flock. You might be listening online, belonging to another flock. And if that's so, you need to see your need to encourage and support those shepherding you. And the greatest support is just being there when he feeds your soul. Just being supportive in that. These are the four questions that need to be humbly considered in the light of this text. Number one, do you belong to a flock? If not, why not? Number two, are you willing to be led by spiritual shepherds? Number three, are you willing to be fed? Are you seeking to be an encouragement and support to those shepherding you? Now let me conclude by answering a real-life question. That real sheep among various flocks have difficulty finding an answer for from time to time. The question is a question that relates to our subject and it relates to the sheep's responsibility to the shepherd. And the question is this. What is a sheep supposed to do if the shepherd is not feeding the flock as he's called to do? What is a flock to do if rather than feeding the flock, the pastor is busy about things he should not be busy about? What is a flock to do if the shepherd is acting like a lord over God's heritage, seeking to live for filthy lucre? What are the sheep to do if they believe the ideas the pastor is presenting from the pulpit are not supported by Scripture? I get this question almost every other week from somebody. And the answer is simple. Here it is. You either pray or vote out the shepherds or find another flock to belong to. If you've lost your trust in the shepherd, if you are not benefiting from his ministry, if there are clear, recognizable character flaws that remain over months and years, if there are compromising practices being introduced that trouble your soul, you need to do something about it. But pastor, I thought you said we need to submit. I did. But I never said you need to submit at all costs. I never said you have a responsibility to pledge your entire allegiance to a pastor. Listen, that's what cults do. That's not what Christians are to do. Let me remind you again, the pastor does not own you. It's not his flock. It's God's flock. You are not the pastor's servant. You belong to Christ. So you are only to follow a shepherd as he follows the Lord. I'm speaking this as a shepherd. You are only to agree with Him as you believe He is teaching you biblical truth. Now, don't get it misunderstood. I'm not talking about small disagreements. I'm not talking about finding a perfect sinless shepherd. There will always be various things you disagree with a pastor about. Every pastor will have his quirks about him that might annoy you from time to time but I'm talking about submitting to a man who doesn't have your utmost respect. I'm talking about submitting to a leader who does not take his calling seriously. Rather than studying for Sunday, he's out golfing. I'm talking about submitting to a shepherd who is not feeding your soul consistently. If you cannot be fed and led by the shepherd you're currently under, you need to see what the other sheep in the flock think about the situation and you need to do something about it or you need to find another flock to belong to. There are so many times people stay in a place because that's where they've always gone. That's where their close friends are. They think something will eventually change, but meanwhile, their souls are becoming more and more famished And they are growing more and more resentful toward the pastor. So, what I'm saying is, you should be careful about sacrificing your family's spiritual growth for unquestionable loyalty to a particular church. It's not worth it in the long run. Now, take careful notice what I didn't say. I didn't say that you have a significant reason to give up on church altogether. I didn't say that you should forsake the assembling of yourselves. I said you might prayerfully consider finding another flock that you can joyfully submit yourself to. It's never an option to dishonor the Lord's day by neglecting Christ's church. It's never an option to distance yourself from other sheep because you've had your feelings hurt or your feathers ruffled. If you belong to Christ, You are to do everything you can to honor the Lord's day and to honor God's church and to submit yourself to spiritual shepherds who feed your soul. I say this for your benefit and for the benefit of others that you might meet asking this question, what do I do? What do I do? So may the Lord bless these words. To our heart.